Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos, joining you from home, finally. Joining me live, as always, a woman with bad internet, Avery at Brave Grapes. Hopefully it's not horrible. I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> they can hear you. That's pretty good. Okay. Say it's a step up. I have no idea to do with you personally. I wish I could just hide your little, hide your little, can I, I'll just give you solo layout. How about we just look at your face, uh, your <laughs> icon like that the entire time. I'll go get a picture of myself and add it. Is, can you do that? I think so. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and for the last time ever, read at Pac-10 Read. It actually finally is basketball season for the first real time. <laughs> we've switched over. It's Jackson Shellstead era. Couldn't be happier. Could yeah, I bet. I bet. Something <laughs> to distract you from whatever the hell else is going on in other sports. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Live got a fun episode of basketball for you we'll talk about some of the big games over the past couple of weeks we'll do some discourse on the net rankings a little bit maybe we'll even do a tiny little bit of football talk don't tell anyone just secret between you and me we'll do a little bit of football talk uh but first subscribe to our youtube channel uh like the video comment away with your thoughts in the youtube chat Follow us and tweet us at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. Send in your questions and rants. And of course, podcast listeners, follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five star review. I noticed I've been looking at a bunch of podcasts lately. lately. People are in a five star review drought. Pretty weird. Um, and as always, we've got content on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. The gang is going to have a football episode doing some post mortem of the Pac 12 season, including the most surprising Pac-12 team, the most disappointing Pac-12 team, the best games from the year, analysis of the Pac-12 season, whether it was actually a good season or not, and much, much more. Go check that out. Plus, some written content. I've got a couple of written posts up there. I wrote a very good, very strong, very foolproof argument for why Jalen McMillan is better than Roma Dunze. Uh, I, I also wrote a more serious post about how Washington might have a real shot at being crowned the best football program in the Pac-12 since realignment in 2011, surpassing Oregon. Reed, I think, in- agreed emphatically with that one. Uh, so yeah. if you want to go check. Can you remind me which New Year's Six win that uh, case hinges on for Washington? It's in the, it's in the argument. It's literally in there. You got to go read. Which you one read did it. you cite? Which of their New Year's Six wins did you choose to cite? There are so uh, I didn't many cite any because from. they're not. They're not right now, but they oh, could be. I think they oh, just wait. they just need one. They just need one. I think they need one. But that makes go read sense. More. Yeah, four. I wrote a thousand. One uh, is more than four. Um, can you tell me, Reed, how many times Oregon has gone undefeated in a single season? Yes, they, they went undefeated in 2010. Oh, we. Uh, oh man, uh, <laughs> did they have to play Utah that year? No, the juggernaut, no, juggernaut that was 2010 Utah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go check that out. It's uh, I wrote a thousand words on that. We'll have more written posts on there. I en- I've enjoyed doing some writing instead of instead of the crazy long threads. I'm just gonna put them on Patreon um, and see how people like it. Uh, but also, I added more stuff than I would normally in a thread because I'm not writing a thousand words in a Twitter thread. Anyway, for five bucks, uh, and you get all that and more at NoTruckStops.com. All right, all right, we did football discourse. What are we doing? It's basketball season. Let's talk about basketball. Pac-12 hoops starting with another. Bad loss for one of the alleged top-tier Pac-12 programs. We were all in attendance for this one. Uh, some of us with varying levels of sobriety and <laughs> some of us with varying levels of interest. Um, so who knows? We were there, but did we watch it? DVD. Gonzaga played USC in Las Vegas and handled the Trojans with ease, beating up on USC 89-76. to 
Gonzaga, which is a top 10 team per Ken Palm, uh, they got out to a double-digit lead and never really looked back in this one. Reed, you were there, but did you actually watch this game, and what did you think? I was disappointed by USC. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I caught up with a lot of it afterwards, um, to be fair. Me and Matt were doing some uh, realignment fantasies. But I think that um, I'm disappointed with this USC team, honestly. Like, the way that they were talked about, especially after those f- first few games, was that this was a team that could fight for, like, a top four seed in March. And that was not the performance that we saw um, on Saturday at all. I mean, they were just, it it just felt like Gonzaga was so much more disciplined um, and just had like a stronger identity, you know? And for USC, if it wasn't Boogie Ellis, if it wasn't Isaiah Collier, like what were they really getting, Uh, especially on offense? It just seemed like that's where, that's where the thing, their entire game plan started and stopped. Um, I don't know. I, I'm optimistic that maybe this team can evolve, but for now, they feel like I, I, I. It's hard for me to get really excited right now about like what they could do in March. Even I, I think that they're just a solid team, um, and I think they'll make some noise here and there throughout the regular season. But I don't really think that they're poised for a run if they're playing like this. Yeah, not a great showing, uh, Avery. What did you you were, did you get to actually watch this game, and what did you think? Um, I was gonna say it was a pretty quiet. It felt like a quiet evening for Boogie Ellis, despite the twenty eight points. But I think I was just high, so I don't know. I was not paying attention the way that I should have been for this game. Um, I feel like similarly to read about USC. I feel like it's kind of been like a lackluster few weeks for them, anyways, and. I, just, I don't know. I just expected more from the amount of talent they have. Like, they have DJ Rodman. They have Collier. They have Boogie Ellis. Like, there should be more happening here with this team. I get that Gonzaga is one of the best teams in the country, but from, like, how I viewed this game and when I was watching it after, this did not feel like a close game at all. Like, Gonzaga was in control the entire time here, and this is a game that, like, USC should be pushing them like it's on a neutral site you have the chance to actually show off all your talent and it just wasn't there for like the third week in a row from usc yeah they have not looked good um they have been i mean they have to be to be completely frank they have not looked good all season long uh if you if you want my opinion that's not just me being a hater i don't really care about usc basketball like that um but the it just feels to me like they're not a very disciplined team. I think you all sort of talked about this. They turned over the ball a ton early. They cleaned it up late, played a pretty even game. Um, and it just didn't end up materializing in those first five, ten minutes where Gonzaga really set the tone. I mean, Gonzaga is a more experienced team. They probably have less talent than they've had over the past few years, but they've still got some really good players. Ryan Nemhard is a fantastic player. Anton Watson, fine, totally fine, having now seen him in two games, I think, uh, going on a third this week when they play at Washington. But they just got their asses kicked. Uh, the physicality of this game was too much for them. So I, 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 it was the physicality. It was also the pace. Like, USC doesn't really go that fast. I mean, they're sort of, you know, in the middle, maybe top third in terms of tempo, but Gonzaga plays at a blistering pace every single year. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, this USC team has me worried. I feel like they're over-reliant on their guards to score. 
Uh, I feel like they're over. I, I don't know. <laughs> they're they're over reliant on Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier to create stuff out of nothing. Uh, as a result, they turn over the ball far too often. Uh, and you know, I don't know. Boogie Ellis had a great night. He was certainly scoring, but they those felt like maybe the emptiest twenty eight points I've seen from Boogie Ellis in a while. And he does score a lot of empty points. Um, so I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I, I'm of the opinion that uh, this USC team, maybe they've got some growing to do, but they've also, you know, I'm not sure how much more there is to grow from them from here. I am worried about them. I sort of feel like uh, I, I just, I was deeply unimpressed with them. Now, I myself was uh, inebriated <laughs> during <laughs> like, this game. We went to this, we, wa- we watched this at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, and then uh, these bozos wanted to leave midway through the game i guess it was it was like the second half it was a boring game (laughs) it was a tough game that's that's the thing is i never not for a moment did i think usc was winning the game like no no literally not for one minute one possession was i like "Ah, i think usc has a even like a 50 50 chance to win it it was from the jump you knew not even a 60 40 you knew minimum win probability per kempom was 62.7 for percent for Gonzaga. They never had even a 40% chance of winning this. Yeah, and being there, there was like a law of Gonzaga fans because apparently Gonzaga fans just become UW football fans. So I guess that's why they were all in Vegas for the conference championship <laughs> game. But they were really loud and that like definitely didn't help <laughs> trying to view the game because I was just so disinterested. <laughs> but yeah, Boogie Ellis having a 28-point night, like what more do you want from him? Like, if you can't win with him regularly scoring, like, almost 30 points, then you're not going to win in any games in the tournament. You're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, um, that's certainly a part of it. And, again, they continue to have major rebounding problems, particularly from their bigs. Uh, Does anyone want to take a guess here how many rebounds their 6'11 starting center Joshua Morgan had in this game? Over uh, 18 minutes. Uh, two. Uh, lower. He had zero. He, he had any? none. <laughs> he had no no rebounds at all. Uh, they got worked on the glass. Uh, for long stretches of this game, Vince Uchuku had four offensive rebounds, no defensive rebounds. I mean, probably because there weren't a lot of defensive rebounds to be had. Uh, Gonzaga was shooting well over fifty percent from the floor. So this was just a dog shit performance. Their leading rebounder was Boogie Ellis. Their six, their their six three leading score, Boogie Ellis Unreal. had seven rebounds. That's <laughs> that's some that's some horse shit. Uh, that's been problem. That's a bit again. We've talked about this with USC. Their problems are taking care of the ball and rebounding. They took care of the ball for uh, the last I don't know thirty minutes of this game, despite giving up a ton of turnovers early. But then they didn't rebound. Uh, they couldn't get offensive rebounds, give themselves a second chance. chance. Uh, they were fine, I guess. But uh, And then defensive rebounding-wise, they gave up 14 offensive rebounds to Gonzaga. Just can't have that. Um, you know, as a result, Gonzaga took over. It was, it was sort of no, – it was mostly non-competitive. It's the most non-competitive game I've seen in a 13-point loss. Um, so I guess my question is – I don't know if you all have heard – but Bronny James is cleared now. Um, he is cleared to come back. He could be back as early, I've heard, as Sunday against Long Beach State. 
I don't know if that is um, the for sure target date, um, but he is in practice right now. Um, he is participating. Uh, per as of a day ago, he was a limited participant at uh, practice on uh, this Monday. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I I know very little about Bronny James except some of the scouting report stuff. Obviously, a highly touted recruit, not as highly touted as Isaiah Collier. I don't know. Do either of y'all think he's going to make an impact and start with Reed? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think another scorer like Bronny James or another guy who plays the way Bronny James does, however he plays, who knows how he plays? <laughs> do you feel like? Do you feel like just having one more guy um, is what USC needs to to figure their shit out? Yeah, I don't. From what I know, I don't really think Bronny is a scorer necessarily. I mean, I think he can, but he's he's more of a glue guy, a good defender. You know, maybe provide some more synergy. But I, I think for me, it goes back to the question of like, it, it seems silly when you look at the box score and you say Boogie Ellis had twenty eight, Collier had fourteen. Like they ate up the most minutes. I'm sure had the highest usage rates, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, sometimes I feel like them being too much of this team's identity is the problem you know and and i wonder basketball is a weird game like you you so much of it is about mental the mentality and sustained effort from the team and part of that can be with certain players a guy like joshua morgan like if he's getting more touches if you're getting him involved if you're getting him a layup here and there if he has eight points maybe that gives him more juice on the defensive glass maybe that makes him a better defender um, and I feel like this, this team has no ball movement and synergy. Like there were two assists from players not named Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis in the entire game. Um, and even <laughs> they didn't really have that many assists. Like Boogie Ellis only had four, Isaiah Collier had six. I think Collier's more of that point guard certainly and distributor, but I don't know. It just seems like no one else is that engaged on the offensive end right now. Um, and I don't know if another kind of passive glue player like Brawny changes that. Maybe he is the guy that that kind of gets the ball moving more and creates better shots. But right now, it seems like everyone just kind of sit around in the corner and watch Boogie Ellis cook, basically. And that works sometimes, but like he can only do so much. Yeah, I think one side of the ball here, we're talking a lot about the offensive side of the ball. USC was okay on the offensive side of the ball offensive side of the ball but uh where they really struggled was defensively it felt like it felt like they had no idea what to do with gonzaga's pace which is crazy because like everyone knows this about gonzaga so like it's they're not the whole they play arizona every year which is a version of arizona with kind of less of a half court offense um and they had no idea what to do with it uh, they were turning over the ball a lot which is like big no-no with gonzaga because they are going to jet up the court in an instant uh, before you even realize what's going to happen. But on top of that, it just felt like they couldn't keep up with the pace. Um, it felt like they didn't know what to do. Joshua Morgan, honestly, got really got really exposed in the defensive end. Pretty easy. Gonzaga is a really versatile team. Uh, they've got a lot of length, but you know they, they play pretty small um, considering all things considered, especially relative to what they've done over the past couple of years, which is play with a guy like Drew Timmy and another big, um, and he's gone now, obviously. Um, and obviously then they also struggled uh, defending stuff from the perimeter, right? Uh, shot 12 for 22 from three Gonzaga did. Uh, and those were not contested shots. They weren't lucky. I would not say this was just a hot shoot night for Gonzaga. 
it was just them getting open looks because again, and they were all in transition too, because that's how Gonzaga plays because that's how every single one of their threes comes from. It feels like, um, so I don't know. And it wasn't even one player either. It wasn't like it was the UCLA game where Ant- Anton Watson went for 30 points and was the one who was cooking. They had one, two, three, four, five, six players in double digits. They just got roundly beat by everyone. So I don't know uh, what we thought this USC team was going to be like a really good defensive team. That was going to be their calling card. And they were going to have a bunch of offensive dudes so far. Their defense has been overwhelming. Look, we're talking about USC. Like they're an Owen, Owen, you know, eight team or however many games they played. They are 34th in Kempom. They're still by most metrics, uh, a tournament team. Uh, most metrics that aren't the one that matters, which is the net rankings, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but they're still there, so maybe Bronny James can't do something for them. I don't know. Grapes, did you have any thoughts about USC or Bronny James or where they go from here? There's always like the aspect in basketball, especially where having like that feeling that more eyes are on you makes you play better. Um, and maybe that will give them some juice. <laughs> <laughs> Just being like, oh, okay, a lot more people are going to be watching you because Bronny's finally playing. So you have to play up to standard for that. You never know. Stuff like that happens. And I agree that like their defense was just not that impressive. So like maybe he can add some more consistency on their defense. But I'm just excited to see him play because there has been quite a bit of hype. Quite a bit of hype. And, uh, you know, even just he's coming back from like a heart, like cardiac arrest, which is yeah. crazy that USC yeah, has had amazing. two players in a row do have that happen to them. Uh, Vinci Wachuku, it took him a lot longer to come back than it's probably going to take Bronny James. So we will see how he does. All right, let's move on. Talk about another important-ish result here. Uh, we were also in attendance for one of these games. The Huskies go one and one, one and one over the past week. They beat Montana State last night. But importantly, they fell to Colorado State 86-81, to 81, also in Las Vegas, also for the same event, also at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. However, I think we were much more sober for this one. Colorado <laughs> State was a top 20 team and is ranked number 20 in Kempom right now. So the Huskies lose a big opportunity for a, a resume-building win, but they were competitive. They did move up two spots in Kempom. Avery, you watched, I think, both of these Washington games, but what were your thoughts on the Colorado State game in particular? This was a really fun game to watch, um, mostly because... <laughs> of Keon Brooks Jr. and not because of everyone else. Um, Wood had a good game too. But yeah, I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. Washington, man, I don't know what it is. They don't have anyone like setting things up at all. Like nobody's distributing the ball. They're kind of just like going at it. And they have some talented guys. So I think it keeps them in games. Like a lot of their games this season have been like close losses because they stay in the game because of their talent but they just can't finish and man this would have been a very very good one to finish it came down to it it was really close at the end but yeah it's just like very frustrating watching some of these players like i don't want to shit on severe wheeler but (laughs) he is so frustrating to watch he had a brutal game on Saturday and then again last night in the Montana State game. Oh my god, don't even get me started. I it's just like I think he's in he's in the game a little bit too much. He's too small to be playing with like a lot of the guys they were playing with Colorado State and he just misses a lot of shots. He, Carlos compared him to Kirk Carissa. 
and purple <laughs> he's like he's just Kirk Carissa and purple and like honestly that's so true except I haven't seen him very hot yet this season so yeah, yeah severe wheeler uh look I mean the, the talent feels obvious to me with severe wheeler like I can I can he is a short guy yeah he's five nine but like the talent is he's like a big bulking guy very strong point guard I feel like I can see some like his vision like I can sort of see that um, I can sort of see his ability to attack but in this Colorado State game it just felt like he was forcing things um, it felt like he was attacking the basket with reckless abandon and it mostly didn't work uh, Colorado State was just too big on the interior for him to try to create shots in the in, uh, on the inside the way that he did uh, felt like he missed I don't know like god it felt like six different layups I remember him missing um in las vegas and it was uh, a brutal look he finished five for 15 from the floor um did have 12 assists pretty nice he was setting some stuff up but also committed four fouls uh i i've got i've got many things to say about this UW team but reed uh i know you were in you were behind us uh building a new what was it a football conference with football conferences with matthew Hubertson <laughs> in the back behind us in the row behind us <laughs> but did you actually get to watch or consume <laughs> any of this game <laughs> I, I I was impressed with just how I mean I think I I obviously I've never seen Washington play in person before um and I was impressed <laughs> with how they looked like I could definitely see the talent there um and it made sense and I think in general just looking at their resume like they only have three very close losses to top forty teams in Kempom it's true that's it uh they haven't had a bad performance and a lot of teams it feels like in this conference have had at least one real stinker so far um they've avoided that so i don't know what that means going forward i think avery made a good point like they still do need to get over that hump because you can't just lose like these games close all season and expect to get in the tournament but i think there is hope for sure um if they clean some things up i don't know i I mean i was impressed i thought colorado state looked like a good team and washington you know, very differently from the USC game was in this the entire time. You thought that they had a shot uh, till the very end, pretty much. Yeah. Colorado State, by the way, uh, has beaten two Pac-12 teams back-to-back. They beat Colorado on November 29th, uh, 88 to 83. That was in, um, what do they play? Fort Collins, I think. And then in Las Vegas, they beat Washington also by five. Um, That one, obviously a neutral site game. So Colorado State's actually a good team. They're ranked, again, top 20 in Kempom. They're literally number 20. Um, They look like, you know, they look good. Uh, And they had Nick Clifford out there uh, who played for Colorado last season. Punched out there for like three minutes. So. Yeah, punch Braxton Mia and the uh, and the Braxton Mias and uh, was out for the game, so it's not a horrible loss. I think I think my problem with Washington is that they just are such a bad defensive team. I think that's my yeah. biggest takeaway watching Washington over the past you know four or five games uh, and really the entirety of the season. They are not good defensively, and I don't even just mean that from the perspective of like giving up a lot of points because they do play pretty fast. They're um, number fifty-four in tempo per Kempom, but they are giving up more points than the number of possessions. They're giving up, uh, I think, about like one point two points per possession on average. I got to go back and look at the stats. That's bad. That's really, really bad. If you can hold your opponent to under one, uh, that's great. If you can hold a, a great opponent to about one or a little over one, that's great. They're not doing that right now. They gave up uh, 
86 points off 68 possessions to Colorado State. Um, they didn't even have a great game against Montana State. Gave up 61 points off 72 possessions. Not great for um, a Montana State team that is bottom of the barrel. Um, it's it the, the, Defensively, they're horrible, and that's Mike Hopkins' calling card. Like That's what he's supposed to be known for. He's supposed to be a good defensive coach. They're not defending well right now. They are jumping at everything. Just feels like they're super undisciplined. They're just, it, it feels like they're falling for every shot fake. It feels like they're rea- they're overreacting to everything uh, on the defensive end of the uh, defensive uh, side of the floor, end of the floor, whatever. Um, and it's causing problems. Like they're getting slow to rotations as a result. Like they're, they're jumping for passes when they really shouldn't, when they have no chance to do it. Obviously you want to try to get deflections in this game, but um that's sort of what it is right now with with Washington. Their problem is their defense. I think offensively, they're ugly. Fine, whatever. They're just going to let dudes hoop. They're going to let Keon Brooks hoop. Uh, they're going to let Moses Wood shoot a ton of shots. Moses Wood, <laughs> electric against Colorado State. Uh, yeah, he, he was awesome. Not, uh, not so great against uh, – pretty quiet, I would say, against um, Montana State. But he was awesome uh, in the Colorado State game. But defensively, uh, a bit of a – bit of a black hole there. Keon Brooks, fine. Doesn't seem it like as a defender is, it has a lot of obvious talent, but it just hasn't quite put it together. So I don't know. Um, this Washington team might just be what they always are, which is like kind of competitive. Yeah. I, I think the most frustrating thing about the defense is just how slow they are. And it's so much worse in person. Like when we were <laughs> in MGM, like watching them in person, how slow they are especially Braxton Mia, horrible. It's like horrible to watch. It's painful. It feels like you're watching a team play in slow motion. And I really hope they figure that out because I don't enjoy it. Mike Hopkins does not coach on the floor. Like that, this man was silent unless he was screaming at a ref. (laughs) And that really bothered me. Like he didn't talk to his players except for during timeouts. Like, and I feel like there should be more coaching happening I don't like Mike Hopkins, though, so I guess going to add that to my barrel <laughs> you prefer of the, reasons. prefer uh, the Mick Cronin screaming at the top of his lungs for uh, to get a guy in position in the exact spot that he wants him in the entire game? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. They they uh, they don't look good, and they got to play Gonzaga now. They got to play. They play Gonzaga this That's Saturday. That's going to be rough. Hey, if they're competitive in that one. I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too low, but I kind of feel like they're competitive in that one. It might be, <laughs> might be pretty gonna good. Gonzaga's score on every possession. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, Kempom only has Gonzaga favored by five points. If that's actually the line, I don't know what the line is. Maybe I should go. I should, does anyone have a betting line on that game? I'm gonna look it up. Let's see if we have one. No, we don't. Um, if if the if the line's only Gonzaga minus five. I'm putting putting some money on Gonzaga personally. Um, anyway, uh, any other thoughts about Washington? No answers. No head shakes. All that sort of stuff. Well, they are one and one. They are still like fifty three in Kempom, so their tournament hopes absolutely not dead yet. But we'll see. We'll see how they um how they go. All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the net rankings. We'll talk about the rest of the slate rapid fire. Do not go anywhere. Pac-12 Sickos, I finally got my UCLA bomber jacket from Homefield Apparel, and this shit is so slick. 
totally worth the wait. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's hefty. It's perfect, especially for the uh, winter months that are coming up. This jacket is super well made, super comfy. I will absolutely be wearing this to any and every UCLA basketball game I go to, and maybe some other non-UCLA games too. I think that would be kind of funny. Uh, Homefield has bomber jackets for dozens of other schools if you're not a UCLA fan, including several Pac-12 schools like Arizona State, Colorado, USC, Washington State, uh, and several others. But you might want to nab one quick because they do seem to be selling out fairly quickly. Arizona and Washington, for example, have had their bomber jackets sell out already. So go check it out at homefieldapparel.com. My only other note is that you might want to buy these in a size larger than you normally do. They do run pretty small so try getting one in a size size larger than you normally do even if you get one that doesn't quite fit though home field has been super accommodating when it comes to exchanges i got a bomber jacket in my normal size and it was a little too small and the home field team hooked me up with a quick and easy exchange just like that uh it was fantastic experience anyway these jackets own get yourself or someone you love one of these i am certain they won't regret it thank you to home fields for creating these beautiful pack 12 bomber jackets and we're sponsoring this podcast all right we are back let's talk about the rest of the slate or rapid fire <laughs> Right, we had a bunch of games here, a bunch of snoozers, if you're asking me. Uh, Utah goes 2-0 over their past couple of games on Thursday, November 30th. Beat Hawaii by 13 in, uh, what's that arena called? The, they used to call it Vivint. It's called something else now. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't I have no idea. Thanks. <laughs> nice help. The Delta Great. Center. Uh, um, is it called the Delta Center again? That's yeah. cool in the Delta Center. Uh, and then they escaped last night at Southern Utah. They barely beat the Thunderbirds 88 to 86. Avery, feeling good about Utah still? Or are you feeling a little worried? Uh, last night's game was really bad. <laughs> I did not enjoy watching it. They should have blown them out at halftime, but it was a close game. And I, I feel bad about Utah right now. I feel worried about Utah right now. Uh, moving on to Colorado. Colorado beat Pepperdine 91-66 after their crushing loss to Colorado State last Wednesday. They advanced to 6-2 and two on the season. Meanwhile, Arizona had a bit of a stinky game against Colgate. Uh, they ultimately win 82-55, but the first half was a little weird. This one got a little strange uh, on Saturday. Meanwhile, their rivals across state, Arizona State, had two games. They go 2-0. They beat Sam Houston State by 17-78-61. San Francisco, they notch a win over there over a Big West team. The higher Ken Palm rating, number 71, so that's good for Arizona State. Thought they were going to be a huge keeping pile of trash, but slowly maybe they're building a little bit of something here. Uh, They beat San Francisco 72-61. And UCLA uh, (laughs) escapes Riverside without their head coach. Mick Cronin apparently had COVID. He was not on the sidelines. uh, 66-65 over the... I forgot what the Riverside... I think they're Highlanders or something. Yeah, they're the Highlanders. They beat the Highlanders by one in an ugly-ass game. Reed, you worried about UCLA? 
I did not watch this game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Uh, no dead coach bump apparently for UCLA. I don't understand what your slander was of Arizona either. Arizona's cooking right now. I will not accept any slander there. Number one team in the country. Um, yeah, number one in the AP poll. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, I, but I don't. I, what did you think of UCLA, Carlos? I mean, I thought. What are they doing? Is Mick Cronin worth 30 points? I think he might be, like, right now with this team. Like, I just feel like it it felt to me, and he also mentioned in one of his uh, press conferences after his media availability after he, you know, was healthy and fine and free of COVID that he actually missed all of practice that week as well. So I think for a team this young, this with this little continuity, I do think he's worth, I don't know, 15 20 points um maybe a little bit more if you're counting practice so i I think maybe that's a part of it but also i mean adembona looked like true freshman adembona i mean he doesn't look that different now honestly this this has not been great season for him uh the rookies the freshmen sorry uh are just not they're playing ugly they're not really playing well they're not really connected pretty poor defensively a lot of stuff wrong with them but we'll see if we'll see if it's actually the mick cronin effect (laughs) um Moving on, Oregon beat Michigan on a hell of a game, 86-83 in overtime. Michigan, not a great team, probably evenly matched. But important to note that Oregon did this without Nafali Dante and Nate Biddle. They are still recovering from surgery. More importantly, Reed, we got a game winner from your boy, Jackson Shellstead. What'd you think? The Shellstead air is here, baby. I mean, I was... This is awesome, honestly. This is the most fun I've had watching Oregon basketball in like five years, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, it's been a while since they've really had this energy, it feels like. Um, and this is obviously like without Dante and Biddle, maybe the two best players on this team. I don't know. I, I'm really optimistic about this. Brennan Rigsby is like p- proving game after game that he's not just a, you know, scrappy six man but he actually is like a bona fide starter and a plus starter at that I'm really optimistic about what this team could look like once the bigs get back is Brennan Rigsby a quote cold little white boy the streets are asking he's the king of them all (laughs) (laughs) Oregon State meanwhile they go 2-0 and another eventful uh, week for them they do beat UC Davis pretty handily, 71-59. to 59, But uh, they needed two overtimes to overcome Cal Poly, which is 329th in Ken Palm. Man, this, that is now the third time that Oregon State goes to overtime this season. The fifth overtime period overall. They, they went uh, double overtime against Troy. Troy made their flight. Thank you. Uh, App, then they went to overtime against Appalachian State, and now they've gone to two overtimes with Cal Poly. They end up emerging the victor, though. Grapes is the Jonathan Smith era ending for football carrying over into Oregon State basketball. What do you mean by that? <laughs> this is your theory. What are you talking about? No like one is like the football them? bad vibes. Yeah. I mean, they've been they've been pretty bad. I don't think they're okay. going to be necessarily worse. Okay. Maybe they should hope that somebody poaches Wayne Tinkle. <laughs> that might be yeah, a good thing for them. Hey, they're winning, though. They got five wins. Pretty good. 
I think you should take that if you're an Oregon State fan. Yeah, it, Meanwhile, it feels like if you re-simmed simmed this season or restarted it, like they're they not getting five wins most of the time. This is an <laughs> upper 5% outcome, I think, for a win total right now. That's yeah, true. winning three three overtime games, two of them being double overtimes or coin flips to say the least. Uh, on to Washington State. Washington State only had one game this week, played Portland State, beat them somewhat handily, 71-61. They improve to number 60 in Kempom right now. They don't really get another test until maybe Boise State, but not really until late December when they play Utah. We will see how the Cougs unfold. And finally, the Bay Area schools, Cal, beat Santa Clara, beat the shit out of Santa Clara. Santa Clara team that already has wins over two Pac-12 teams. Cal just beat them, straight up beat them. Uh, they get three wins now. They are three and five. They have matched their win total from last season in early December. On Dece- By December 2nd, they did that. So... Clear signs of improvement uh, if you're looking at it from that regard. Grapes, any thoughts about Cal? I, I'd hope there'd be improvement with Cal <laughs> <laughs> from last season. The Santa Clara one was a shocker. It felt like nobody actually knew what happened there, but I hope they keep it up. And finally, Stanford. Stanford goes 1 0 this week. They beat the University of San Diego 88 to 64. So pretty handy win for Stanford. They absolutely need that after going to two overtimes with Arkansas, uh, losing to Michigan, and then getting their asses handed to them uh, by Northern Iowa the week prior. Get on the other side of the win column, but uh, they are 4-4 four four right now. We'll see what happens to them. Uh, a couple other notes here. Women's basketball. Nothing of note. Mostly everything went... Uh, went uh, what do you call it? Chalk. <laughs> uh, Washington State had a tough game against South Dakota State on Tuesday. That was yesterday. Gonzaga did finally take down Stanford. Someone took down Stanford. I did not get to watch this one. I was uh, flying home. I think I was flying home from Las Vegas during this. Uh, but it was a beatdown. So I got to go back and look at the look at the box score there. Juju Watkins continues to cook for USC. They beat San Diego 89-58. Baylor beat the shit out of Oregon 71 to 51 maybe it is time to start talking about um the job security here of one uh kelly graves it's been not a great season for her it's been actually bad been a bad couple of years kelly graves on the hot seat right now i'd say and more and more people starting to ask questions about the kelly graves era unlv better beat arizona utah beat byu uh colorado beat air force Stanford did beat San Diego State uh, last week, so uh, mostly chalk except for that Gonzaga game. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Non-con, we're just getting a bunch of trash games on both sides. Probably should have watched that Stanford-Gonzaga game. A little bummed about it, but it's what it is. Uh, one other piece of note, women's basketball note, so Yana Sneepkins, uh, I think that's a Yana, uh, Yana Niepkins. Uh, I always forget how to spell her last name. Yana Niepkins uh, out for the season with a foot injury for Utah. That's our second best player um, on a, you know, maybe a title contending team here. So that's a big blow for Utah women's basketball. All right. 
that's it. That's all we had uh, for. Did I say Kelly Gra- Kelly Graves is a man? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a moron. I just see I see Kelly Graves all over my timeline. Don't know what they look like, but uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um. Anyway. So what I thought we could do next is talk a little bit about the net rankings. The net rankings did drop. So I'm going to start with men's hoops here uh, because they are the most disastrous. They're a fucking shit show right now. Arizona leads the Pac-12 in the net number three. For those who don't know, by the way, you're Pac-12 basketball casual. You're listening to this podcast. You're like, I'm going to really, I'm really trying to keep up with Pac-12 basketball this year. The net rankings are the NCAA's evaluation tool, their primary evaluation tool. Um, the selection committee's primary evaluation tool when it comes to trying to seed the NCAA tournament, trying to decide who gets in, who is out. Uh, so that is what the net is. It's a version, if you're familiar with football analytics, like I guess a version of SP Plus, except it's a little weird. They try, they are, they don't use any preseason data. They claim that it's supposed to be predictive, but also a resume ranking. I don't know that you could do those both well. But uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting ranking. It's also the one of the few that doesn't include preseason data at this point, so we get a kind of clear look of how teams have performed just this year. Um, Arizona leads the way though in the net number th- at number three in the country overall. Washington State number two in the Pac-12, number twenty-eight overall. Utah is at number forty-six. Colorado is fifty-second. Washington is sixtieth. USC number 73 Oregon number 79 Arizona State number 96 UCLA number 97 Stanford 218 Oregon State 224 and Cal at 258 any reflections on the Pac-12 standing in the net in the net rankings especially for men's hoops what the fuck is this 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 makes no sense this is my introduction to the net rankings (laughs) in week eight this makes no sense none of As this in, i'm selling the net rankings right now like <laughs> why does it what, what does it make sense about it um I, it just really does not match up with my perception of the best teams in the conference right now <laughs> I, oh, I, I, yeah. okay <laughs> who who are the best teams in the conference right now because i'd be i don't know if i know frankly <laughs> i don't know i don't think that i mean if it's predictive i don't think ucla is the hundredth best team in college yeah. basketball right now like, I don't think that I think they're pretty harsh on them. They're 40th in Ken Palm. Yeah, right. I, I, Ken Palm seems to make a lot more sense. I don't know, just based on how these teams have performed. I mean, even like, I think, I don't know. I think Oregon and USC should be in a similar category to like how I view Colorado and Utah right now. I get Washington being kind of high. That makes sense. But they're not even that high. They're just higher than the extremely low evaluation they have on like a lot of these mid-tier upper middle tier Pac-12 teams it seems like the ones with talent the ones that were more optimistic about making a run in March I don't know yeah um uh it's important to note here that because the net is also trying to be a resume ranking it does weigh wins and losses like whether you actually win the game uh and is it as far as I know I think that's a good chunk of it. I don't know how, what um, the net, like how they weigh different things. It does use like offensive and defensive efficiency, but it also is like, did you win the game? And it weighs yeah, and it us Was it a quadrant? What quadrant of a win was it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like the opponent quality on that sort of stuff. Um, whereas Ken Palm is like, it's just straight up, I, most with some adjustments, offensive efficiency. So if you're like, 
if you lose a game close to like one of the top 10 teams, you don't get penalized for that. You just, it just factors in, in your offensive efficiency minus like whatever the other team's normal efficiency was. So that's what, that's what we're seeing. This is uh, just what happens with like early season metrics when we don't, when we're just going based off of like eight data points, seven data points yeah. for some of these teams, they just are a little funky. So I think you're right, Reed. It is a little bit, it doesn't match up with our perception of the conference, but it's also like they're weighing some different things. So I don't know. I think by the end of the season, they'll get a bit, they'll be, get a bit cleaner and they'll seem to make more sense to us right now. But yeah, Arizona state, probably not a, a better team than UCLA. Hell, <laughs> Washington, Colorado, probably not a better team. I mean, well, Colorado might be Washington though. Uh, the fifth best team in the PAC 12. I don't think so. Uh, count me <laughs> out. Count me out. Avery, any thoughts about the net rankings? I just think it's really early to be putting too much weight into this. I feel like yeah. the net rankings don't mean a whole lot until you're hitting the end of January, early February. Yeah. It's good to talk about. It's fun to fun to look at. But but yeah. Uh meanwhile, time to do some honkery. The women in the net rankings. Different story. Uh Stanford leads the Pac twelve in the net at number two in the country. Utah is number four, UCLA is number eight, USC is number 13, Washington State is number 22, Colorado is number 24, UW is number 38, Oregon State number 40, Cal number 51, Arizona number 74, Arizona State number 100, and Oregon at 105th. So different story here for Pac-12 Women's Basketball. This probably does fit with how well we think, how good we think this league is, but any reflections here? Grapes, we can start with you. Any thoughts about any of these teams? Forget what we said about the net rankings and the men. The net rankings do matter <laughs> now. <laughs> and the pack, I mean, even without the net rankings as like proof, it's very clear that the Pac-12 is the best women's basketball conference. So like none of this is shocking. They're just elite. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Reed, any it, thoughts? It's just so tragic that we can't at least keep the conference for all the non-football sports. Like, yeah. the yeah. Pac-12 fucking owns in, in everything that's not football and sometimes basketball. Uh, men's basketball. And women's basketball it owns in a lot of Olympic sports. It's really good. Like, I don't know. I, I just wish we had some vestige to keep these rivalries up. And especially in a sport where they're doing so well. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a fun season, but it's a bummer that they'll all be spread out playing in scattered conferences across the country next year. Yeah. It's silly stuff. I think the PAC 12 has the most number of teams, I think in the top 15 in the net. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a bummer, but we'll see what happens. I mean, these, I think the, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with USC because I think us UCLA is considered a you know a national title contending team as a Stanford, maybe less Utah now that um, Yana Neepkins is hurt, but uh, I'm really curious to see USC go to Poly Pavilion on I think it's December 30th. That'll be a a fun game. All right, well that is our discussion of the net. That's our discussion of Pac-12 basketball. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for sitting with us, talking with us about basketball we'll be back here next sunday at 9 a.m pacific to recap 
uh what are we going to talk about bowl games that's what it was bowl <laughs> games <laughs> bowl games we'll talk about the playoff we'll do a little bit of truck stop talk to do about that we'll also have an announcement for the future of the show people have been asking people have been wondering people say what are you guys doing where are you guys going where are you, where are you gonna talk about the big 10 you're gonna talk about the big 12 you're not gonna talk about any of it are you gonna kill yourselves are you gonna, gonna be you an gonna acc do? podcast and ACC, I'd fucking never. Absolutely not. Anyway, we'll have some more announcements on that. And then we'll be back here next Wednesday to talk about whatever basketball games. We actually do have a big, big fun slate on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, in case you're not aware, we don't have many women's basketball games on Saturday, but men's basketball, we got Arizona playing Wisconsin. We got BYU Utah, big test there. We got UCLA Villanova, a huge test for UCLA. As well as uh, Gonzaga, Washington. Probably a beatdown, but whatever. We're going to tune in regardless. We will be there no matter what. Anyway, we'll be back next week to talk about all that. For now, that's Reed. That's Avery. I'm Carlos. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Rumors still and thick with smoke. Picking makes you choke. The crowd vibes in, the coffee's kicking, and my patience to everything. Said I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street.